This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back to this week's episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns twenty four seven recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Nick Harris. Before we get into it, we do want to remind you guys to please uh, like and rate and review and all those good things on our uh, podcast page. Specifically on iTunes, any five star review with a question gets answered in our mailbag segment. But on any podcast platform where you can find us, any good reviews uh, certainly help. We also want to point you to the other great shows on our network, including the Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rob Babers. And the flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown. So before we get into that, how's it going, Nick? Uh, going pretty good. Um, you know, uh, NBA draft was last night. And, uh, I'm sure you were watching, right, Mike? I did not see a minute. Um, I was I was kind of like web surfing today to see if the Mavs did anything of interest. But uh, I saw they drafted some guy that's like a 3 and D. They think they can pair with Luka to help him. But I, I didn't know the name, so. Uh, they also traded away Seth Curry, which uh, I, I think angered some Mavs fans, but, you know. Yeah, you, I guess – I don't know much about the guy they got in return for him, but I don't know. The stuff I read online seemed positive. <laughs> so, I don't know if you know about him, but um, uh, who knows? How did, how did the Heat do? Did they uh, – You know, um, they had a pick ready at uh, – I think it was 20 that they had, and they could have drafted Tyrese Maxey out of South Garland, who uh, ended up at Kentucky. Uh, but they went ahead and went with a big man, which, you know, I'm not too, uh, I'm not too angered about. So, uh, his name is Precious Achua. So, uh, I'm ready for the Nigerians to start uh, coming through Miami. That's a great name. I saw the one guy, what's his name, O.B. Toppin. Yes. Um, like, that's a great name, too. There's some good names in the last – I don't know how these guys draft. Like, I this had to have been probably the hardest draft, I would assume, for the NBA guys with no – I mean, they had a lot of – I guess a lot of a college season last year, but no combine, no individual workouts, no NCAA tournament. Uh, man, that one just feels like more of a crapshoot than anything. Yeah, it's really a shot in the dark for the um, people that they have to draft out of Europe. You know, the, like the young Europeans that they have to take chances on. They're taking even more of a chance on them now without, you know, a lot of context. But yeah, for sure. that definitely were times for them. Well, this is not an NBA draft podcast. This is a Texas recruiting podcast. Nick, we've had a lot of uh, – on change, we've had a lot of good Texas recruiting news in the last week. Um, let's start with uh, last Saturday. You were at the, the announcement itself. and. Uh, Texas landed Terrence Cooks, a guy that, you know, we've been telling you for a long time, hey, they're the the leader for this guy, but there there were some ups and downs in that recruitment. It looked like maybe Texas might lose the handle every once in a while. But to me, this never really, really got away from him. I I think that that Texas has been in command of this recruitment since February. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whenever he went for that elite day visit back right at the end of January, um, we kind of got the hint then that, you know, Terrence could very well end up a Longhorn. And we have, uh, at least in my year of covering Texas Longhorn uh, football recruiting, there's always those kids that just feel like Longhorns. And I believe you said it right after that elite day experience that we had. Terrence feels like one of those kids. And so um, he definitely took the process slow. Uh, it was, um, you know, by the recommendation of his parents, um, who are great people, by the way, had a fantastic time at his ceremony. Uh, just fantastic people and a fantastic family that he was surrounded by and his Shadow Creek family as well. Um, but he took the process slow, you know, fully evaluated his options. So, you know, that he understood he was making um, uh, the choice he wanted to make. Uh, and it looks like he did. Um, and I'm excited to see what he can do on the 40 acres. I think he's really versatile. I think he can play a lot of different roles. I think he can pretty much do whatever the uh, defensive staff wants him to do at the next level. He'll enroll in January. Um, and he's very, uh, he's very good with his books too. He's looking to, uh, um, major in something in a biology, I believe. He wants to study how, you know, animals adapt to their uh, um, habitats and, you know, how they kind of adapt to the world changing. So uh, he's a very smart kid as well. He's looking to get his master's in the next uh, three and a half years. So um, this is definitely a kid uh, I'm excited to see in Texas. Yeah, I, I did mention that. I There are some kids who just from the beginning, you could tell those are Texas type kids. They just kind of fit with what we've seen in the past. And, and by the way, those kids don't always end up at Texas. You know, uh, Chad Lindbergh was to me the most, one of the most Texas type kids. Chris Thompson in last year's cycle as well. Um, but, you know, I, I think I looked at Terrence and said, I just don't, I just can't see him really fitting anywhere else. I think this is his best fit. So, um, yeah, a really good player. Um, I want to see a lot more out of him. It's It's been a year where he's been kind of hampered by that hand injury and, and had playing with a big club on it, but really athletic guy. And then talking to his mom right before the commitment, I got a great idea of like the academic side um you got you're talking about but he uh yeah he's definitely interested in, in different things and is more than a football player that um announcement looked pretty packed out was there a lot of angry neighbors on that street because the street was shut down <laughs> there was definitely a lot of looks from people driving by they're like you know what the hell is going on over here but uh it, it was uh, mostly pretty socially distanced and you know no one was uh, you know coming through uh, angered about it but it was just mainly a lot of um uh, uh, curiosity that was coming through that street. It was, it was definitely a, a scene to behold. Yeah, so it looked like a really cool event, uh, really good for them. Obviously, in these COVID times, those kind of things have, have changed a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's uh, a good pickup for Texas and one they needed. And, um, you know, it didn't stop this week. Uh, we got uh, – let me think. Today's Thursday, yesterday, Wednesday. I um, – I woke up and, and got a call that uh, it looked like Texas was on the verge of flipping Byron Murphy from DeSoto. Byron Murphy's a guy we've talked about a little bit, and a guy I've always really liked, but, um, you know, Texas was has been flirting with him since June, and I've talked to Byron a couple times behind the scenes, and he's just said, hey, nothing's going on. Please don't report it. You know, don't mention it, anything like that. So I, I just kind of took him at his word and thought when an offer comes, he'll, he'll tweet it and – um, we'll, we'll start pursuing it from there. And uh, well, Texas has been working pretty hard behind the scenes in the last month have really cranked it up and, and they put the pressure on him yesterday. Um, he made the decision to flip from Baylor to Texas. I went out and saw him at practice. He's a kid that he's, he's underrated, I think, in the sense that he's a six foot one defensive tackle. So he's not going to, his ranking ceiling is capped a little bit, but when you look at him, just a terribly productive and, and mean and physical football player. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's probably my favorite defensive tackle in the state um, in this cycle. And depending on who you ask, some might say um, the best defensive tackle in America. Uh, he's definitely been rising, um, just consistently getting better as his career has gone on. And, you know, from my time covering him on the Baylor beat, he's just made a habit out of bullying 6A offensive linemen this year. Um, and, and we kind of saw that a little bit towards the end last year, you know, kind of where his ceiling was or where his potential was starting to go towards. And uh, now we're really seeing it. And that defensive line at DeSoto this year, man, is it something else with him at defensive tackle and Shamar Turner on the other, on the other end. And, you know, obviously this uh, could help with Turner down the line, but you know, how much remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, I really like Byron Murphy. Uh, he's short and he's stout, um, you know, big neck just looks like kind of a bulldog ramming through that, the middle of that defensive line. And he's uh, he's been a nightmare for centers um, uh, during his high school career for sure. Yeah. He's, he's a guy that incredible strength. His leg size is, is, fantastic and he's um you know he, he's going to get up under guys and jack them up and push them into the backfield that's kind of his game and so um I agree that it does probably help with Shamar Turner a little bit I don't think it necessarily flips all the momentum and talking to people at DeSoto yesterday it still seems like uh, A&M is, is in the lead there and Shamar really when I talked to him really talked up Georgia yesterday and I haven't heard Georgia from him in a while so it seems like the Bulldogs could be coming on strong as well that's going to be an interesting race to watch the only thing notable from that discussion with Shamar is he did tell me he's probably not going to sign until February um, so schools in the race for him are going to have a little more time um, Nick I, I guess uh, last thing for me is how does this affect Baylor? You, you're on the Baylor beat uh, as well. Um, you know, obviously, anytime a kid flips, there's always, a, well, we didn't want him or we cut him loose. I don't think that's the case with Baylor at all. Um, what, what do you see from that side? Yeah, absolutely not. Byron Murphy was one of their most prized commits. They feel they felt like they got a, a really good steal, uh, you know, when they got him over the summer. Uh, and this definitely hurts their class. Um, they've suffered a couple of big decommitments uh, in the past couple of weeks after uh, Hal Presley, wide receiver from Mansfield Summit, uh, decommitted and then flipped to Auburn. Um, so, yeah, this definitely hurts. They're going to have to reevaluate some options on the defensive line. And uh, that's that's pretty tough to do this late in this class, uh, you know, with not a lot of options left on the board. So they're going out of state looking for some guys in Louisiana, uh, Oklahoma, um, and even as far out as uh, Kentucky and Florida. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're trying to get creative to uh, fill that defensive line spot that, that Byron Murphy um, – uh, created, but um, yeah, definitely not a great thing for the Baylor Bears recruiting side of things, uh, but they still overall have a pretty nice class. Uh, you know, it's one of my favorite classes in the Big 12, always has been. Um, there's just a lot of dudes on in, in that class, and I feel like they'll be able to bring someone in on the defensive line that'll kind of fit that mold. All right, well, so good news. Texas starting to get a little bit of momentum back. Dare we say uh, the, the M word? I don't know if it's going to be sustained or, or what the case is, but um, it's better than decommits, right? And that's what I feel like we've been talking about for the last month. So uh, Texas moves forward with two four-star guys, and that's something to celebrate. Um, we also had the top 24-7 drop this week for 2021. And I talked about my thoughts in there in depth on the Horn 24-7 message board. And I know we have a lot of listeners. And I know over on the board we got a lot of guys who say they hate podcasts and want me to transcribe everything. But um, my biggest thoughts are – J.D. Coffey took a big jump back into the top 247. He's been having a monster senior year, um, showing a lot more athleticism, showing more physicality as well. So that's big. The other two guys that were uh, left in the group, Jatavian Sanders and 
uh, Maurice Blackwell just didn't move all that much. They kind of stayed status quo. The biggest indictment on this class is that there's just three guys in the top 247. I think that when you look at the overall talent level and what Texas should be recruiting, that's going to be the lowest in any class in the last 20 years if it stays that way. So, um, you know, we'll see how things turn out. But uh, Texas has got to do a lot of work between now and February to, uh, to kind of pull this class up a little bit. Um, Nick, do you want to add anything there before we move on? Yeah, absolutely. I just kind of wanted to piggyback on what you said. I mean, if they somehow are able to land, you know, uh, a big prize um, that kind of seems out of reach right now, maybe like an LJ Johnson or something like that, then, you know, maybe this class can turn around and kind of flip that script of, uh, you know, being um, not having just three guys in the top two, four, seven. But I mean, if we look at those three guys, Jatavian Sanders, obviously he could be a generational talent um, at the University of Texas. I mean, on offense or defense. And you kind of mentioned earlier this week on the Horns 24-7 that, you know, he's, he's starting to open some eyes on offense as well for the next level we kind of thought it was a foregone conclusion that he'd be on the defensive line next year but uh you know we'll, we'll see and you know he's a true athlete recruit um and then you also have Maurice Blackwell uh honestly my favorite linebacker in the state for this cycle I think Coleman Hutzler hit a home run in being able to land him and Terrence Cooks uh I mean I by far the two of the best uh, linebackers in this cycle for in the state of Texas um, and then J.D. Coffey, obviously, he's had a he's had a great year for Kennedale. He is Mr. Kennedale. He's he's done it all for them. And uh, you, obviously, you've seen Kennedale and J.D. Coffey a little bit more than I have. But uh, good to see his rise. It was definitely warranted. Um, but, I mean, if you look at some guys that are four stars uh, on the outside looking in, I mean, you have Terrence Cooks. And uh, also a name to keep an eye on is Austin Uke, uh, offensive tackle from Parish Episcopal. He picked up his fourth star. Um, this week and his debut as uh, being ranked. So uh, definitely big time there as he's starting to generate some serious attention on the recruiting trail. Yeah, it's definitely not time to panic, but we do try to give you guys indicators of the way things are trending. And if you look at the way this class is trending, it's not great um, compared to other classes. So, you know, we'll kind of see how that works itself out in the next couple months, but um, just, just kind of an update on, on where things are trending there. All right, Nick, um, it is time to go to our uh, high school segment. Have you uh, picked our high school games yet? Yes, I have. I have our uh, our five ready to go this week. Okay. Um, let's first start with where you went last week and who you saw. Um, that's a great question. I have to think about that. Uh, <laughs> let me go back on my schedule. Okay, that's right. On Thursday, I went out and saw um, Everman and Burleson. Went out and saw uh, Texas commit Juan Davis. He looks really good. And, um, you know, after posting some things on Horns 24-7, there were some comparisons on the board uh, that compared him to LJ Humphrey. And I really like that comparison. I think he's just a little bit quicker, though, um, which I think is always the knock that uh, we had on Humphrey. Um, but he can, uh, he can win a jump ball with just about anyone. Uh, he's got great speed, and he can play pretty much any position you want him to do. I think he projects as, uh, a little bit better as a, a tight end at the next level, but I could definitely see him, you know, um, kind of framing up and becoming a, a wide receiver as well. Um, but he, he can serve a multitude of roles on, on the offensive side of the ball. He didn't play any defense. I don't think he quite projects to playing any defensive position at the next level, but he looked really good. And then on a Friday night, I went out and saw Parish Episcopal and Nolan Catholic, just a ton of kids in this game. It was a big-time private school showdown. It was actually my first Tabs game I've ever been to, which is kind of crazy to think. I've been to probably 300 Texas high school football games in the last 10 years. And really? It was my first Tabs game. Yeah, it was. Pretty, pretty wild. I didn't know um, that. I figured you'd have been to one by now. I figured I would have too. Uh, I think I avoided it for like the first two years. I was like, ah, oh, taps. I don't need to go to that. And then the last like eight, I just, you know, didn't have a reason to. But uh, last Friday night I did. 
Uh, went out and saw Austin UK for Parish Episcopal. Uh, he looks really good. He has really good feet, really good hands. Uh, he might be a little undersized as a tackle, um, but uh, again, really good feet, really good hands. I think he projects really well, and the, the, all the attention that he's getting right now, I think, is definitely warranted. And then for Nolan Catholic, uh, uh, Mecca Megwa. Talk to him after the game, and he's really liking Texas right now. You know, uh, despite the kind of roller coaster season they've had, um, he's really built a great relationship with Stan Drayton. Uh, I think that's definitely going to be a name to keep an eye on moving forward. And on the defensive line for Nolan Catholic, they had Vincent Page, Curly Thomas, and 2023 Caleb James. Uh, all three looked pretty good. Um, Curly Thomas was probably my favorite from last Friday night. Uh, played really well. Um, and then on Saturday, obviously had Terrence Cook's commitment uh, down in uh, the Manville area, and then later that night on the way back up. Swung by and saw uh, Cy Park and Cy Ranch, saw Harold Perkins in action for Cy Park, and then Baylor commit Romario Noel at corner for uh, Cy Ranch. Harold Perkins, I, I firmly believe he's a top three player in the state for 2022, which is, you know, um, I think that's a big thing considering how loaded the in-state talent is in 2022. He can do just about anything you ask him to do. He's really quick. He's really strong. He's smart. He's got great IQ as a linebacker. Um, and uh, Side Park doesn't have a lot of kids on their team, probably around the 40 to 45 range, which is, you know, pretty low for a 6A program. So they're having to play a, a lot of kids on both sides of the ball, um, you know, play a multitude of roles and Harold Perkins was on on the field for probably 85 to 90 percent of the snaps last Saturday night and he was making a making a difference on the field you know two to three times a possession um, but they did it they did end up losing to Cy Ranch. Cy Ranch obviously just has a lot more numbers a lot more depth. Uh, Romario Noel looked pretty good he's really big uh, he was a uh, bigger than what I expected um, which is a good thing um, but uh, I'm excited to see what Noel could do at the next level as well. Okay, I went to uh, Thursday night. I saw the biggest beatdown I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, went out to uh, R.L. Turner and Lancaster. And it was mainly because we didn't have much going on on Thursday. Lancaster's a team I, I really dig and support and try to see them every year because I love their coaching staff. And, uh, boy, was it, a, was it a beating. 89 to nothing uh, for Lancaster. They were in 16 plays on offense. Uh, 20 plays total, but 16 if you take away the four uh, knees they took at the end of the game. Um, and uh, I, I haven't seen a beating like that ever at the high school level. I mean, Lancaster basically could score anytime they touched the ball. They had two punt returns. Um, and it just – it didn't look like two teams playing the same sport. Didn't get much out of that one. Friday night, uh, playoff action, Kennedale Brownwood, and Kennedale really put it on Brownwood, 44-7. Uh, to 7. I believe it was the score. And uh, J.D. Coffey was uh, a good – he had a good night, but it was not the star of the show. I think the star of the show was Cameron Salas, the sophomore corner at Kennedale, who's 6'1", uh, about 190, and, and looked fantastic. Had two picks, including a pick six. And um, They've also got Braden Waters, a junior safety there. So a couple more guys coming up through that Pinnadale, uh, Pinnadale, Kennedale pipeline. And uh, I think uh, it, it'll keep – keep me going out to see Richard Barrett's team. I love that program, uh, that coaching staff as well. So uh, a lot of fun there. Uh, Nick, where are you going this week? Uh, tonight, as we're recording on Thursday, I'll be heading out to uh, Forney to see Ennis and North Forney. Just a big-time 5A D2 matchup. I've heard a lot of good things about Ennis uh, as, uh, as far as their receiving core, so I'm going to be keeping an eye on that. Just looking for some guys that, um, you know, we haven't quite heard of uh, on uh, North Forney and Ennis. Um, both both teams I've heard have some great offensive weapons, so I'm really looking forward to seeing those guys. And then uh, tomorrow on Friday, heading out to Floyd Data. Do you know where that is, Mike? 
feels like it's panhandle, I would guess. It's it's just north of Lubbock. I'm um, going to see a Spearman and Ballinger, uh, a big 3AD2 matchup. Obviously seeing, seeing uh, Brennan Thompson for Spearman. This will be my second time seeing him this year. Just a big fan of the program, big fan of Brennan Thompson as well. So uh, excited to see a pretty good game. Uh, Ballinger's number 10 team in uh, 3AD2, and Spearman is number four. So it should be a pretty good matchup as well. Um, and then on Saturday, I am hoping, this is a very intensive Saturday night, hoping to get out to Duncanville to see uh, some basketball action. Basketball season's already here. Uh, seeing San Antonio Wagner, which is home to uh, 2022 four-star point guard Austin Nunez, who I have a crystal ball in for Texas right now. Um, he'll be playing at Duncanville, obviously the number one team in the state. Uh, and Duncanville's got you know dudes up and down their roster. So hoping to get out there. All right. So Nick will be uh, on the hoops trail. I am Thursday night uh, still deciding if I'm going to go to this game or not because it truly has the looks of being another stinker. But um, I, I'm tentatively scheduled to go to uh, Wiley East and West Mesquite. Um, I That's do wanna, a banger. I do want to. <laughs> I do love going to Mesquite Memorial Stadium. It's one of my favorite stadiums in the state. Um, and I do want to go see 2023 Wiley East defensive end, Anthony James. Um, so that's why it's under consideration. Uh, and then Friday, uh, tomorrow's game was going, was supposed to go to Austin to see Westlake and Austin high. Uh, I was not allowed in at Westlake. So, uh, having to pivot last minute, I'm going to go see Byron Murphy, um, in, in play along with, uh, with, uh, a lot of the other guys at, at Duckettville are not at DeSoto. I'm sorry that uh, the Texas sit on, including Jonte Cook, Jafar Turner. Uh, DeSoto will host Mansfield this Friday, so I'll be out there to see that. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the State of Recruiting. We'll be back with the second half after a word from our sponsors. Introducing the Two Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Um, all right, Nick, let's go ahead and get into the pick segment. How did we do last week? Um, you did, you gained some more games on me. Um, you gained two more on me. So I believe you're up nine. Uh, if the count is right at this point, you know, I'm just trying to get some doves in. How about this? I'll, I'll propose something. If you feel strongly about a game, you can double down and get two, like basically like two wins on it. Uh, okay. I'm with that. But we can only do, let's say two doubles a week. Cause then I feel like you just double on everything. Well, you know, give me a couple more weeks. I feel like I can claw back because we still do have about like 10 or 11 weeks left. Well, let's go with doubles. I mean, let's – if I can double too, so I can extend that lead. Um, okay. All right. So let's let's do two doubles per week. If you feel really strongly about a game, you can double down on it. I'm with that. All right. All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's go with the picks. So our uh, first game of the week is the one I'm going to be at tonight, Innocent North Forney, big 5A D2 matchup. Uh, who do you got there? Um, 
I don't know a ton about North Forney. They always have – I do know their offensive coordinator pretty well. I guess I could have called him before this and said, how do you think you're going to do? Um, I know North Forney's got it like they throw the ball or, or they move the ball well on offense. Um, I am going to stick with Ennis in this one, and I'm actually going to double on Ennis. I feel strongly about Ennis's defense up front, um, and I think they have enough offense. So I'll double on Ennis. So, um, even, so I guess if you lose on a double two, you would, I would lose like two games. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that idea. Yeah. So, all right, your turn. Uh, I'm going to take Ennis as well. Um, obviously they haven't had a lot of competition um, in 5AD2 this year, and they've actually even played some teams in 5AD1 and 6A uh, or some smaller 6A schools and they've been able to, you know, handle them as well. So, uh, you know, as you like to always say, I, I don't feel like you can make money betting against Ennis. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to roll with Ennis as well. And our uh, second game of the week, um, pretty good one down in uh, down in the South Houston area. Pearland Dawson and Shadow Creek. Pearland Dawson undefeated so far this year, uh, looking to take down Shadow Creek in a big district matchup. Who do you got? I was looking at this game, and as you know, you're doing this because I never, I just can't ever nail a Shadow Creek pick. Um, every time I pick them, they lose. Every time I pick against them, they win. Um, I was I was doing our the schedule for commits today and just looking at matchups and saw that one. I uh, Shadow Creek just doesn't have some of what they've had over the last two years, and I don't know that it's necessarily. Uh, I don't know. There's just something different about them, and I I I think they've still got some weapons. You know, Kyron Jones is still a weapon. C.J. Gidry's a weapon. Terrence Cooks is a weapon. Um, but I'm going to go with Pierre Dawson in this one. Okay, I like it. You know, just since you are, I'm going to go ahead and double down on my Creek boys and go Shadow Creek. I, I feel like they're starting to get that machine uh, fine-tuned uh, finally towards the end of the year. They've had a lot of uh, injuries and, you know, kind of weird things happening uh, this year with the, you know, Randy Masters situation is one of them. Um, so I, I feel like they, uh, they'll begin their rebound tonight and, um, you know, take down Dawson and go ahead and win that district. So I'm going to double down on Shadow Creek. It's probably a good Man. choice because, as you know, when I pick against Shadow Creek, they win. So you're probably going to get a double win out of this. <laughs> That's definitely in my mind as well. Our uh, third game of the week, um, we're going to take Mansfield Summit and Red Oak. Uh, Mansfield Summit, obviously home to um, Hal Presley at wide receiver, the Auburn commit, and Texas Tech commit on the offensive line, Jacoby Jackson. And then Red Oak obviously got a lot of young talent on that team, but uh, they've been pretty strong as of late. So uh, who do you have in that one? That's a good question. It's two teams that I feel are trying to break through and get to that next level up. Um, very talented teams, for sure. I am. I haven't seen either this year, um, and this looks like, uh, looking at the standings here, a battle for the third and fourth place in that district. Um, I am going to roll with Red Oak in this one. Yeah, I will as well. Um... I think they have more offensive weapons, uh, you know, at Red Oak. And um, I, I feel like they're going to take that win tonight. And I bet against uh, Mansfield Summit a couple of weeks ago. Or I um, I bet on Mansfield Summit a couple of weeks ago, and they let me down. So uh, They got I, I plastered, can't. I think. I wanna... <laughs> yeah, I think it was the Ennis game that I bet on them with. Yeah, I want to say they got killed in that game, too. <laughs> it wasn't close. Our, uh, our fourth game of the week, I think this is a really interesting matchup just because, um, you know, this is a private school playing a public school. Uh, Trinity Christian Cedar Hill playing against South Oak Cliff this uh, this Friday night. So who do you have in that one? 
Uh, I got to take my guys, the Golden Bears. Um, Kyle Ward, one of the best defensive coordinators in the state of Texas, nobody talks about. Uh, they've got a lot of defensive talent. I think that Trini Christian obviously has weapons, but, I mean, Sox got the ability to – I saw Sox shut down Duncanville for a half. So, I mean, if they could do it to Duncanville, they could certainly do it to Trini Christian Cedar Hill. Give me the Golden Bears. I'll double on that one. You'll double on that one. Oh, goodness. All right. Um, this is kind of a toss-up for me as well. Uh, you know, TC Cedar Hill, obviously home to Shador Sanders and uh, a lot of offensive weapons. They actually have a couple on defense as well that are starting to, uh, starting to bubble. Um, so I, I'm actually going to take TC Cedar Hill. I'm not going to double down on it. Um, I don't feel entirely confident on it. Uh, obviously, because it's just such a weird game. Uh, but they've been really strong against uh, UIL opponents this year, and they've been playing some tough competition out of state. So I think that prepares them for a game like South Oak Cliffs. So I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Cedar Hill in this one. Um, and then our small school game of the week, uh, big time uh, playoff matchup. I believe this is in 3A D1. Um, it's going to be Pottsboro and Malakoff. Pottsboro home to uh, Oklahoma State commit on the offensive line. Um, and then on Malakoff, obviously they've had a couple of pretty good years in the past couple of years and made it to state a couple of years back. So uh, who do you have Who do you have in this one? I know I'm more familiar with the guys at Pottsboro, and that makes me want to pick them. I mean, both those teams have made really deep runs in the last couple of years. It's hard for me to – I think at the small school level, again, you don't make a lot of money betting against Malakoff. Um, I'm going to go with Malakoff in this one. All right, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Pottsboro in this one. They've been really strong this year, and um, they have a lot of senior leadership. But granted, um, I'm just going to kind of run you through Malakoff's last few games. Uh, 49-7, 77-0, 35-0, 17-0, 55-0, 62-0, 62-0, and 83-7. So uh, they have been pretty strong this year. But I think Pottsboro has been a little bit better. Um, I think they can they can score on this Malakoff defense, and I think they can hold them enough on the on the on their defensive end to uh, pull out this game. But I think it's going to be one of the better small school games we see this week. All right. Well, that's going to do it. I uh, appreciate Nick for putting those together, and we are really moving into crunch time, small school, and then uh, I don't know what you're going to do with the small school game once a uh, once state happens, and then we're three or four rounds still in in the big schools. We'll have to reconnoiter and, and figure it out um okay let's uh let's move on to our mailbag as always you can get your questions into us over at the horns 24 7 message board when we put the thread up um, you can also give us a five-star review on itunes uh anything there with a question gets your uh, question answered on the show our first question comes from kc67 uh, are there any recruits that would leave if if tom herman was fired or would they all pretty much wait and see who replaced him um I have been through one coaching change with the recruiting class and it was uh, from Charlie Strong to Tom Herman. And for the most part, those guys wanted to wait around and see what their options were. You know, in a lot of cases, it's, it's kind of like a, a roll of the dice or a lottery ticket almost. Maybe you get better. Maybe you get a coach you wanted. Maybe, um, you know, a coach comes over. I can remember in 2016, uh, Tope Amade was, was close. He and I were close and, um, he was committed to Joe Wickline at Texas. Uh, well, Wickline left Texas, uh, was let go. And, um, you know, Tope was pretty distressed. And then Texas hired Matt Maddox, who was the first coach to ever offer him. And, um, and Tope was really excited about that. So sometimes it works out in those, in those types of ways. Um, I think that most of them are going to wait around and see who who's replacing him before making a move at that point. And I think if, 
a move were to be made, I would think Texas would kind of have their ducks in a row and probably make it pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, especially with this 2021 class, I think they would sit around and, you know, wait to see, you know, what the replacement was just because this 2021 class has obviously been so weird. There's a lot of spots that are already full. So if they were to, you know, bounce and go somewhere else, um, you know, there's, there's a good chance that there's not going to be a lot of spots open. So um, I, I'm sure they would definitely wait for a replacement and, uh, you know, see how that works in their favor. All right. Our next question from Beetlefish75433. Uh, best guess at how the final scholarships in the 2021 class will break down by position. And what are your thoughts on UT's chances with the highest kids left on the board? I actually wrote something on that on Wednesday about the fate of the class and the highest rated kids left on the board. So go check that out. Beetlefish over at Orange 24 seven. Um, but I think the final scholarships will break down like this. I think they definitely would like to add another defensive lineman. It's going to be a defensive end um, work guy, you know, obviously Shamar Turner, who is, you know, by a lot of people projected a defensive tackle, but Texas is, for all intents and purposes, recruiting him as a defensive end. I think they would take another linebacker if the right one presented itself. And I think they would take a corner if they could find a corner that they really like. Uh, that's it on defense. On offense, I think it'll kind of break down to maybe one receiver, maybe one more offensive lineman, and one more running back. Though That's kind of how I see everything breaking down there. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, there's only 19 kids committed in the class right now, so they can be a little flexible with, uh, you know, if there's someone that really emerges, you know, in this latter half of the season uh, then that, that, that they can jump on and they feel like they have a good shot with, then, uh, you know, I feel like they can pretty much do that with any position that they want. Um, you know, you kind of saw that last week when they offered Remington Strickland out of a Fort Bend, Fort Bend Christian uh, offensive tackle uh, down in that area. So um, they're definitely all offering some guys in the 2021 class that are starting to emerge, uh, you know, regardless of position. All right. Um, our next question uh, from Hornsfan7612. Are there any 2022 commits who Texas still holds an edge for? Uh, or did they blow every lead after Quinn decommitted? Um, I, like I said last week, or I, no, I think I said it in a chat. I'm sorry, this week. Put, just put the pause button on 22 right now. Don't worry about 2022 right now. Um, worry about 2021 finishing this class, and we'll see what the resolution of the season is before we really talk about 2022. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts that are still, you know, uh, waiting to be seen for this 2022 class. But, I mean, I think it, I thought about this a couple of days ago. I think a good thing for this 2022 class is that Jalen Gilbo is still committed. And uh, there's still a pretty good amount of 2022 kids that are still liking Texas. Uh, so, regardless, I think it still has the potential to be a fantastic class, uh, you know, regardless of what happened with Quinn Ewers and Faison Wilson. All right. Um, our next question: Any uh, from Connor H three three three? Any interest from the Texas staff in four star cornerback Tevin Williams commit to Baylor? If not, how are they looking for any other cornerbacks? So I just kind of mentioned that, but uh, I haven't heard that name. And from what I understand, Tevin Williams is pretty dialed into Baylor. I don't know that anybody's prying him loose. Um, I think that for Texas, if they can find a corner they like, uh, they would go after him. But I think it's more likely that that happens in the uh, the transfer market uh, this offseason. Yeah, Tevin Williams is a kid that committed pretty early um, in the Baylor class. I think he committed back in April. 
Um, he just recently gained four-star status in this uh, most recent uh, rankings update uh, on 24-7 sports. And, um, you know, he's a kid that didn't get a lot, a lot of attention. You know, Baylor was really the uh, only big school that offered, and he jumped on that offer uh, almost immediately. So um, I'm not sure about the Texas staff or uh, any other staff that is, uh, you know, looking to jump on Tevin. But I wouldn't be surprised just because there's not a lot of Power 5 schools that got involved initially. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them get involved now. All right, next question from uh, Hornsfan7612. The 28 and 21 class were two of the most talented quarterback classes in recent memory. Who would you have as the top two quarterbacks from those classes? Hudson Card would be uh, my number one guy for sure. And I think Hudson Card and Haynes King were the two most quarterback, two most talented quarterbacks in the last two years. Um, what about your 2020? I mean, that's what I'm saying. He said that of the 20 and 21 class, who were the two most talented quarterback? Uh, who were the who would you have as the top two quarterbacks from both of those classes? Oh, okay, so he wants from each. Um, so I'll take Card and King in 20, and in 21, I'll take Salter and Nussmeyer. Those those would be my two guys. I like that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Card and. Um... Jaquinta Jackson, he sounds like a homer right here. Um, but, um, you know, those are two guys that I really liked uh, last year. Um, and then in this class, um, I'd probably go with uh, – I'd probably go with Nussmeyer as well. Um, and I'd probably have to go with Demetrius Davis. But it's not it's – not, uh, it's not by a wide margin. Salter's right there. All right. Um, from Earl Thomas, 12, do you see Jatavian Sanders being the elite pass rusher Texas has lacked for some time? Earl Thomas, 12, have you heard of Joseph Osai? <laughs> I mean, I get Texas does lack a pass rush, but man, Joseph Asai is really, really good. And I think if if Davian Sanders comes close to what Joseph Asai has done, then you got to be really, really excited. Um, I think that Sanders can be that guy, but I also think that he he's he's looking as much as an offensive guy as he is a defensive guy nowadays. So um, it, it really just depends. Yeah, let's pretend Osai never existed. You still have Charles Amenahu and Puna Ford, you know, in the in the last few years that, you know, have both each won Big 12 Defensive Lineman of the Year awards. So, um, you know, Texas has been able to do well on the defensive line, you know, in the past 10 years, uh, despite not being well in other things. But if you're maybe saying that, you know, could Sanders be better? Um, I think there's a lot of potential there uh, just because obviously he's the higher rated uh, of all those guys out of high school, at least. Um, but I've seen him be really dominant in, in games and completely take over games on the defensive side of the ball alone. Um, so, yeah, I think he can definitely be, be elite at the next level. Um, all right. Our next question from Jay Garwood. What are you most looking forward to UT football games getting back on track? having less turmoil around the program or COVID-19 restrictions being lifted, allowing for a normal high school football season. And I imagine a more enjoyable time going and doing your job on the road. It's absolutely the latter. Um, and that's, <laughs> that's just a, that's a bigger thing. It's just, I'm looking for COVID-19 to go away and stop killing people um, and stop, you know, ruining holidays and things like that. Like it's, uh, UT football has been a mess for a decade. COVID-19 is relatively new. Let's get rid of the new thing and then we'll figure, figure out fixing the old thing. But um, yeah, I think uh, for me, it's, it's absolutely the latter. Yeah, and you're asking someone with a lot of recency bias on this COVID-19. Um, almost my entire family right now has the virus, except for myself. Um, so I, I'm definitely very anti-COVID these days. Uh, not that I never have been, um, but I am looking forward to some normalcy. I think about it every day. I'm like, man, what would a normal day be like today? So uh, yeah, definitely looking for normalcy. 
Yeah, it's just, it's, it's really clouded so many things. Our last question today from Den12, where does Texas stand with Andrew Jones? Is it still unknown? So I actually provided a update on John Arrett, uh, linebacker Andrew Jones from Louisiana uh, last night and in Mike at night. Uh, he did recently decommit from Memphis. He is a guy that I feel would fit very well in the Big 12. He's an undersized linebacker, probably six foot, 210 right now, kind of a Gary Johnson type. Um, and Texas has reached out and, and talked to him a little bit since then. Um, we're, we're monitoring that situation just to see how serious it gets. But I had talked to somebody at Texas who said they were very serious about circling back and kind of seeing where things are with him right now. So uh, stay tuned on that one. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of schools getting involved on Andrew Jones, um, Georgia, Utah, Florida State, just to name a few. So uh, this might be a name to keep an eye on moving forward. He just um, got four star status as well. So uh, definitely a name to keep an eye on. All right, and that's going to do it for the mailbag. As always, get your questions in when we put them out on the Horns 24-7 message board or give us a five-star review, and we'll answer those questions. Charles Daniels, you've been notably missing for a couple weeks now, so disappointing. Um, All right, Nick, before we get out of here, anything else? Uh, No, not much. Um, I mean, I will say just kind of reemphasize the COVID thing. I mean, uh, mask up. It's getting pretty crazy out here. So, uh, you know, just try to stay stay healthy for the holidays. And, um, you know, hopefully a vaccine is around the corner. It looks like uh, the news are starting to report more and more things about a vaccine. So, you know, hopefully good times are ahead. All right. Well, we appreciate all you guys for listening. We appreciate you for joining in, following along, helping us out by getting those questions in and interacting with the show. Uh, thank you guys for, for everything you do. And uh, we will see you next week. moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.